This is Strange Tales on Defenders TV podcast, where we are looking at Doctor Strange issue six, The Two Doctors. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. Welcome back, Sorcerers Supremes. Yes, uh, we are here with Strange Tales on Defenders TV podcast, where we are going spoiler-filled in our discussion of Doctor Strange, issue number six, The Two Doctors. This is part one of two by Mark Wade, Javier Pina, and Brian Reba. Plus, we are delving into a second issue, the Infinity Warps, where we are looking at the Soldier Supreme Part 1 by Jerry Duggan, with art by Adam Kubert and Matthew Wilson. I am one of your hoary hosts, John. And I'm your other hoary host, Derek. Yeah, and oh, Doctor Strange sort of episode this time on Strange Tales and Defenders TV podcast, which two with two Stephen Strange-type issues to talk about this time. Really looking forward to talking about them. Yes, back in with Doctor Strange... Issue number six by Mark Wade and with a new artist, Javier Pina and Brian Reba. And of course, this is a two parter. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at part one of two, The Two Doctors, not to be confused with the new Doctor Who on BBC television <laughs> at the moment as well. So yes, there is certainly tie ins galore and very similar. Uh, titles being thrown around the two doctors. Yeah. And I do want to apologize to our fellow defenders and our sorcerers supreme. Just to say, we don't normally read ahead in the solicits. It's very rare that we're doing comic books month to month. And I actually thought issue six was going to be sorcerer supreme of the galaxy number six. We just didn't read ahead. We didn't know that this was starting a brand new arc. Now that Doctor Strange has returned to Earth from his adventure in the galaxy. Brand new arc. Uh, Mark Wade still writing. Javier Pina now taking over the reins as the uh, artist on these books. And it's a brand new storyline now with the two Doctors. Uh, so if you haven't read any of the previous issues, it doesn't really matter. It kind of gives you a recap at the beginning of this book and takes into a brand new story of the two Doctors. Yeah, and uh, Javier Pina is taking over from Jesus Sayers mm-hmm. as well. So um yeah, it's interesting as well because it seems quite seamless actually mm-hmm. the artwork um yeah. in, in a way yeah. so it, it's quite interesting i don't know whether that is deliberate or whether the two have these similar styles in terms of their artwork um i don't know enough as such about their their particular style but still fantastic artwork here so yeah um it at least also cuts down on the title as well yes it does. sorcerer supreme of the galaxy yes yes just the two doctors just the two doctors now but i'm sure we'll get into talking about the artwork as we go john uh, just to say this issue came out on the 3rd of october uh, 2018 uh, it's part six of the current run from mark wade john before we get into our top five points do you want to tell us how mark wade summed up sorcerer supreme of the galaxy at the beginning of the two doctors part one Sure. Last time on Doctor Strange. We observed the adventures of a man calling himself Doctor Strange, who had lost touch with magic and could not remember when or how that man has returned from a sabbatical in space. Arguably better than ever, he has a new ally, Kanna. 
an alien archaeologist, expert in magical technology, technological magic, and he has access to The Forge, an interdimensional workshop for tools of sorcery. Thus equipped, this strange encounter barely had to alter their itinerary to foil a Magistane attempt to destroy Earth, but awaiting their arrival in the Sanctum Centaurum, attired as we saw him on his last adventures with the Avengers, is a man the Sorcerer Supreme's ghost dog Bats has been calling Stephen Strange. Yes, indeed. This strange, the other strange, Stephen Strange, very strange, I think. And, <laughs> well, and, of course. Yes. yes, and certainly to bats as well. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of questions to be answered in this issue, uh, part one of two of the two doctors. Mm-hmm. But I think with that, on with our incantation number one. Canna and the Doctor Strange travel to 177A Bleecker Street, or as we like to call it here, on Strange Tales, the Sanctum Santorum. Well, of course, because that's what it is. Exactly. exactly. Yes. yes, they make that return from space. I like that they do actually reference the end of the storyline from the first five issues, the end of that story arc where the Magistan effectively are running away after the battle. Uh, Stephen has punished their leader for the attempted attack on Earth and sent him back to his planet. And now we have the rest of the Magistan leaving. And I also like, as Mark Wade references in here, it wasn't really that difficult for yeah, Stephen exactly. to beat them. He just kind of made a slight change, made a quick jump through his new tools to land on the planet. But they were all waiting and starting their attack on Earth. He just made that quick jump to the planet, uh, beat them and sent them off home tail between their legs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's really quite powered up here. He can create doorways into different parts of space. Uh, and through time mm-hmm. and he has his kind of gauntlet that he can use to sort of swat away Magistane enemies uh, at will yeah. so it's pretty powered up here oh, yeah. um, and certainly he lost no time in dispatching the Magistane uh, and really uh, giving their leader food for thought uh, and saving planet earth so yeah I do like how uh, Mark Wade references this this kind of um, ease at which uh, this Doctor Strange and Kana, uh, really do, um, foil the, the Magistane mm-hmm. in, in their attempt to destroy Earth. Um, and indeed he uses his, his newfound forged weapons and, um, implements to create a doorway back to Earth. Mm-hmm. And he wants, uh, Kana to experience coffee, uh, <laughs> as one of the things. Not in the sense of Luke Cage, perhaps, but certainly he believes that for Kana as a non-Earthling, uh, this is something to behold. Mm-hmm. And we get a little bit of a fish out of water moment with Kana as she arrives at Bleecker Street and sees this room that we've all seen many, many times over the years, this drawing of the uh, Sorcerer Supreme's inner sanctum where he is surrounded by books of various magics of the, over the centuries. And we've always seen that because of the way it's always been presented as being a really learned man is surrounded by books. And she kind of looks at him and goes, uh, do people here actually still read books? Do you not have like a digital screen where you can fit everything in this room into <laughs> one little pad? You know, uh, I like just that different style of the two of them. She is a space archaeologist, as she's been called. And he is the old school Sorcerer Supreme, keeping all of these reference books for decades and centuries and millennia in some cases. Yeah. But she would never be like that. She kind of like stick it on the scanner and stick it into her little iPad, effectively. Yeah. And she, and she <laughs> makes reference to, you know, do kids go to school here mm-hmm. as well? Like she, She's wondering how advanced, uh, really this, this planet is because there's still, 
such arcane things uh, as and books, books. Uh, and none <laughs> of these digital screens. But it's just referencing the fact that Kana is obviously a bit more futuristic than this Doctor Strange who always in the past had spent his time learning what other people knew before him and taking the knowledge of other people and taking it into himself and using it as the Sorcerer Supreme, which what we learned in these first five issues was not necessarily the best use of his time as the Sorcerer Supreme, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, really nice moment. But, of course... She never gets her cup of coffee, though, does she? She doesn't, because <laughs> she is... And they are rudely interrupted, uh, I suppose, as we move on into incantation number two by mm-hmm. the second Doctor, mm. the other Doctor Strange, who has Bats uh, sitting by his side. In fact, I love the front cover where Bats is kind of... He's kind of looking slightly sickly green, actually, uh, <laughs> rather than ghostly green, uh, but is sat on the lap of what he thinks or who he thinks is his master in this second version of Doctor Strange, who we have seen throughout Damnation wearing that certainly a different attire than the Doctor Strange we've been following with Mark Wade's Sorcerer of the Supreme of the Galaxy so far. Yeah. He's looking much more kind of clean-cut, tight-fitting, uh, and certainly with the billowing red cape, whereas this Stephen Strange um, doesn't really have the the cloak of levitation in the sense of it being red, but it, he is wearing more of a blue outfit um, mm-hmm. o- overall. He he kind of reminds me a bit of, say, a medieval knight, that kind of costume that, right. that you would wear rather than the... Um, the cloak and, uh, the, the other attire. So yeah, yeah the, you definitely see the difference between these two doctors in terms of how they're drawn and mm-hmm. how they're styled for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it know? is very confusing, isn't it? It doesn't, it doesn't really jump out of the page exactly where these two doctors separated, where this other doctor appeared. Uh, all we see is the reference in, in Mark Wade's, uh, wrap up of the last couple of issues saying, this is the doctor that we've seen in his last adventures with the Avengers, but we don't know whether it's taking place at the same time as Infinity Wars is going on. Is this the Doctor that carried the Time Stone in Infinity Wars? Don't worry, not going to spoil Infinity Wars in this particular section of uh, of this discussion, but we don't know when the break happened, I suppose. When did this new Doctor Strange appear and the other Doctor Strange went off into space? We still don't have an exact moment in time for that. No, exactly. It, it is quite confusing in terms of where he is in this uh, in this moment. Mm-hmm. I think for me, though, one of the interesting things about how it's approached, though, within this issue, I don't know, the the last issue of Doctor Strange, I was thinking when it was kind of, you know, the bombshell on the final page with with the two Doctors, I I was kind of thinking, are they going to sit down and have a chat, presumably over coffee, like Doctor Strange (laughs) intended to have with Kana? But actually, no, this is immediately antagonistic, Mm -hmm. where... The, the Doctor Strange in the Sanctum already says, get out of my house, which immediately puts this doubt onto the person that you have been following for the last five issues of, of Mark Wade's run. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really good. And you have this fantastic battle between the two Doctors here with the flames of Faltine being deployed by um, the Doctor Strange in sp- who's come from space versus the shields then of Seraphim being deployed by the one who has been on Earth fighting with the Avengers. Mm-hmm. And also uh, with Damnation as well. He does look like the Doctor Strange from the Damnation run. So um, it is kind of 
a great moment where you go, well, who on earth have we been following in Damnation? And who have we been following here? And who is the real Doctor Strange? It's a really nice moment, actually, to to get the old uh, grey matter whirring, I think. Mm -hmm. And and certainly because, uh, Derek, you had mentioned when we had um, arrived on the Skrull planet in in this series so far, that Mm -hmm. maybe Doctor Strange could have been sort of, you know, off page being infiltrated and it could actually be a scroll um and all of a sudden you're going oh maybe it is then yeah but it, it is ultimately um i think really interesting because we we see dr strange here use the omnipotence of oshter to reveal the person behind this dr strange who is at the sanctum and it ends up being casey kinmont um so yeah another little bombshell and Going back to our first issue review of this Mark Wade run, we made reference to Mark Wade and Emma Rios's uh, run of Strange the Doctor is Out, mm-hmm. where we are introduced to Casey Kinmont, who is this this girl, this prodigy, who ends up being, you know, like Kanna, like Zelma, uh, has this gift uh, and is willing to be trained and to work with Doctor Strange and ultimately it doesn't end up so well. So it's an it's a nice little tie back to the Doctor is out, Mark Quaid's previous run, I think. Yeah, yeah. You see, this is what happens when we do our podcasts about Doctor Strange. You've now pushed me down a path where I had to go out and read <laughs> The Doctor is Out. Uh, we may cover the book itself in a future podcast, so we're not going to go too in-depth in it, but I almost feel like it's essential to know that book to know who Casey Kinmont is. Mm-hmm. I'm presuming they're going to do a little bit of a, a bit further of a recap potentially in the next issue. We may get a little bit more of the story of the Doctor is out, but I did think it was quite interesting. They pushed all the story of the book into about three or four uh, panels uh, in this particular issue. Um, they call out the fact that she has disappeared, has gone off to another, that she wasn't able to be saved by Doctor Strange. She actually in turn saved him and was sent off to another dimension effectively uh, to pay for her crimes as seen by the person who lived in that dimension, uh, a character that we see in here called Barristock, um, who is a monster in another dimension. But Actually, the story itself of Doctor Zayd is a bit more jovial than I was expecting after reading this issue. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot more comedy moments, I suppose, in it. This whole concept that um, Barish Talk is annoyed at this character of Casey Kinmont because she's using a, a spell which is sending stuff from our dimension into his. So effectively, she's just throwing rubbish and litter into his dimension. And after being warned off doing it, she does it one final time and then gets dragged away from from Earth into his dimension. So that's the basic overall storyline. Yeah? Yeah, it, it, it is much lighter in tone. I mean, mm. it, to the point that it, you know, it starts off at a baseball match as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, it is lighter in tone. Uh, but yes, again, Stephen Strange... It, in an attempt to try and rescue her because Barishtok's realm, he's sealed off. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in an attempt to try and get Casey back, you know, Doctor Strange absolutely uh, obsesses here uh, about trying to save her and get her back to Earth. Um, And we have this nice moment with Laraximus Boneslayer as well, or Larry, as we... uh, I think prefer to call him by given that it's easier to say than Laraximus Boneslayer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he was featured also in The Doctor is Out. But here, in that moment where he uses the omnipotence of Oshter, Doctor Strange calls out Casey. There is a fleeting moment where he remembers 
who this person who has been revealed to him is, but then no longer recalls anything about her. He's trying to search and find the memory of this person. But at the same time, the memory of Larry comes to mind as well. Mm-hmm. And so he summons Larry. Um, but unfortunately, and this is where, and this is the vehicle that drives the, the brief recount of what has happened to Casey, uh, from the, the doctor is out. Um, and we find out that Larry also has been, um, killed, you know, in, in trying to take down a, a villain called Yundo, who is able to move across realms and, and devour different realms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is attacking Earth, but Doctor Strange is so consumed with trying to rescue Casey that Larry effectively says to him, Give me your memory of her. And once you have destroyed Yundo, then I will give it back to you. Yeah. But in this process, what we find here is that it's not Larry. It's one of his friends. His companions are of the same race. Um, who is, is a little miffed with Doctor Strange because ultimately in taking, uh, Doctor Strange's memory and suggesting this path to defeat Yondo, Yondo kills Larry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so actually Doctor Strange is absolutely, totally unaware that this memory has been taken um, and not returned like it was promised. And, but the only reason it wasn't was because Larry was killed. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's quite an interesting storyline, isn't it? And I must admit, I know you're the bigger fan, John, and but and I'm not. I've read a lot of Doctor Strange over the years, but not a huge amount. What really stood out to me here is how much this character of Doctor Strange is treated similar to the character of Doctor Who over here in, in on television. This idea of him having a companion following around on his adventure yeah. and him training them and him saving them. When you think back on it over the years, that actually has been very much the idea of Doctor Strange, having someone by his side. Even in the movies, Wong has been there for both appearances of Doctor Strange that we've seen so far as his companion, as his person at his side. Yeah. Um, is that a general treatment of the character? Is that something that Mark Wade brings to it? Is that often used? I think it certainly is. I mean, Claire is another mm-hmm. um, companion-like uh, person that has been by his side and, and ultimately... He married, um, mm. and I, I, you definitely get these threads of companions through, um, through Doctor Strange's stories. Yeah. I mean, even with Kana as well, we have another. So, I mean, within this moment, you know, you have, uh, examples of, of at least, of, of two other companions here, Kana and, and Casey. Mm-hmm. You've got Zelma and you've got Claire. So, you know, amongst, some others but certainly you know i think doctor strange has this um loneliness about him and and that is another strong thread of his storyline that he is on his own yeah um but at the same time to balance that and almost you know to to lift that loneliness or or that isolation from being the sorcerer supreme of having to shut himself away from day-to-day things there is this whole companion thing i mean even bats is another example of that it's not as such just uh other men like wong or women like zelma casey and canna clay but even with bats it is that additional companion yeah um so 
I think he's always been a bit of a duo, you know, in, in that sense. And I think it's always used to offset his, his isolation because of what he does and, uh, that loneliness that mm-hmm. he sometimes can feel in what he does as well. And I think what I kind of like in this one here is this concept of him spending six months looking for Casey. This storyline of the Doctor's Ed is a really short storyline. takes place over the course of a couple of days, if even. And it's very much this hopeful look at what Casey could possibly become if she gives herself over to Stephen's teachings. If she works with him, she seems to have a natural talent. So could she become another, you know, Sorcerer Supreme or just another sorcerer and the story goes by very quickly and she's lost so this is where we have a completely lost Stephen Strange looking for her and not being able to protect the earth because he is looking for her so I kind of like that idea as well now I didn't see any reference to the other part of the storyline this six months later when they're fighting against Yondo and Larry dies I don't think that is actually something that's appeared in another book it feels like it might have been something that Mark Wade would have put out there if he continued to work on Strange but it doesn't seem to have ever been published as a story in the past. No, it's not something I'm aware of, to mm-hmm. be honest. But with the reveal of Casey, um, she flees Bleecker Street. And, and ultimately then there is this moment where, um, and I suppose moving on to incantation number three, is that Kana not only meets Bats, the, the ghost dog, but they go off to Barristock's, uh realm to, to find out uh, now that it's opened up again and it's been unsealed, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, you know, what is going on here? This meeting of Bats the dog and Kana is really good. I think firstly, because it is in the heat of battle. You have these two Doctor Strangers fighting one another and at the same time, their companions, as we were talking about in terms of Bats the ghost dog and Kana here. Um, and bats neutralizes Kana really by growing in size, uh, because it was something that this second doctor has given him the power to be able to change his size. Yeah. Even though, and again, nice little nod back to damnation. He wants opposable thumbs. Yeah. And um, so really, really nice. I mean, you've got to just absolutely love bats every time he comes onto the page. Mm-hmm. He's a great foil to Doctor Strange, whichever doctor it may be. Um, and he brings real insight into Doctor Strange's mindset, I think, always. Uh, and you have this great moment as they're walking through Barristock's realm to, to find out where he is and what's happened to Casey and why this realm has been unsealed. That, um, you know, th- there's a great conversation here that Stephen Strange is constantly going on voyages to learn his humility. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, does it ever take, uh, says Kana of bats? And he goes, well, what do you think? Yeah. You know, as they burst out laughing again, really nice. This, this irreverence to Stephen Strange, um, is really, really good from Bats, I it's think. Good, it's good fun, isn't it? It's good fun. I also love the actual intro itself when Stephen finally beats Casey, uh, and she's gone. He introduces the two of them to each other and goes, Kana is a first order technomancer. She mixes together electronics and magical, magical artifacts. This is Bats. The ghost dog. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. love it. It's like it's like as if they're setting up this this troop going off on their uh, on their adventures together. So it is a bit. It's a bit Fellowship of the Rings exactly. almost kind of thing. Um, yeah. And like you know, Canada in that moment goes, "Are all dogs uh, size changes?" Uh, and we have the opposable thumbs. Uh, yeah. It's it's just really really nice. But they like, join up to go out and find um, Barristock to really kind of find out what have 
had gone on in his realm and why Casey has suddenly made it back to Earth. Yeah, and I could just see the next issue called Canna the Technomancer and Bats the Ghost Dog. You know, that's the, that's the next issue title. You know, that'd be kind of cool because uh, it is really interesting that we'll finish off this point really as uh, when they do get there, they do find the body of Barristock, this gigantic monster that we don't see in this book much, but it's face has been crushed in basically its whole body has been crushed in if you take a copy of the doctor as age and put it side by side with this uh this image you can see how much it's been destroyed and what's interesting about that is casey in the doctor's out only learned one spell which was about transferring objects from one place to another or opening up this wormhole to from one realm into this realm where barristock is so how has she gotten this power and this ability to kill this gigantic monster um, when she hasn't learned anything else over these months and years since the doctor is out happened. Uh, that book came out in 2009. So you're talking almost 10 years since that book was out. So, um, so what has Casey been doing since then? What has she been learning? Who's been teaching her this, this magic and these spells? Absolutely. And I mean, she, she does have the shields of the Seraphim as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, she, you know, she has become a competent uh, sorcerer here, mm-hmm. uh, even though she is ultimately um, outwitted by the Doctor Strange from space here. So, yeah, really, really interesting. I, I do as well like that moment where, you know, all this this realm travel makes me a bit sort of light-footed and a bit light-headed, says Bats. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes, but I, I'm on balance doing okay. But what is that awful smell as it then, yeah, goes to this destroyed body of Barristock who seems to be just kind of rotting away and decaying and is leaving an almighty whiff in the realm. <laughs> yeah, nice nice little, uh, nice little moment. Yeah, yeah really great, good. A great panel, yeah, really cool. Uh, looking forward to seeing that one next issue, seeing what happens there. Uh, let's get on to our incantation number four, though, because we have the black weapons introduced here. Again, something I'm not uh, aware of. I haven't seen the black weapons before in this reference of this place that Stephen Strange has built to effectively hold all of the items that all of the enemies of Strange would be looking for to kill him and destroy the Earth. Uh, it's being cared for, I suppose, by Damon Hel- Hellstrom, yeah. um, who is another one of the sorcerers. He's the son of Satan, actually. Yeah. Uh, it was another sorcerer we've seen many times in the past. Um, Casey goes and plays a visit to him uh, to pick up one of the weapons that could destroy Stephen Strange. Interesting. She's still wearing the face of Stephen, so, um, so Damon lets him in and lets him walk around to choose whatever he wants. Um but we do see poor Damon gets a, gets attacked again. Yeah, I mean basically Casey kind of really lets it slip in that yes, she looks like Doctor Strange, she behaves like Doctor Strange to a point, but ultimately what tips Damien Hellstrom off is the fact that, you know, along with Doctor Strange, they have built this black weapons this black arsenal of all these different magical weapons that can be used um to destroy steven destroy mm-hmm. other sorcerers have and are imbued by huge magical power and casey strange is looking at an item a magical item called the stygis and um, the death of magic she calls it so again some weapon that could be used to attack Stephen Strange here and ultimately gives herself away in that she says, you know, what other implements can I use and take? And, you know, Damien Hellstrom says, well, we put this collection together, you and I. Um, and 
you know, this was never to be let out again. This was to stay in this black arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so there is an attack again using high level magic on Damien Hellstrom. I don't know whether he's going to get decapitated. It looked like he was certainly in agony. Whether he has been killed, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I don't think we really saw his death in the panels, but certainly he is, uh, incapacitated and possibly could be decapitated um depending on how much Mark Wade likes Damien Hellstrom. I think it's interesting with Damien uh, Hellstrom that he was the only sorcerer that was actually impacted and only one hurt badly in The Doctor is Out. And once again, when we see Damien Hellstrom in here, he's being attacked by Casey uh, and being hurt. So my feeling is that Mark Wade doesn't like him very much. <laughs> it feels like it's kind of going, eh, don't really like Damien, let's make sure he gets attacked. He is the son of Satan after all. So maybe that's just a thing that Mark Wade doesn't really enjoy. But, uh, but yeah, quite interesting. And I do like that Stephen is staying on Earth while sending off Bats and uh, and Kana to this other realm because he thinks that Casey is an innocent. So now that he's got his memories back, those six months that he spent trying to find her and get her back have also returned into his mind. So he's now going, oh, I need to go and save this innocent. Despite her attacking him, Yeah, he's still got this back in his mind that he needs to save her. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It's a really interesting relationship. Mm. I really like that they've got Damon Hellstrom here as well. You know, him and um, Doctor Strange have worked together in the past. Mm-hmm. And, and it's nice to have that connection here, I think, even though he might not be surviving too long uh, <laughs> here uh, in the hands of Mark Quaid. But or yeah, we just might not see it. Maybe. It's yeah. nice to have this black arsenal as well and the black weapons. It, mm-hmm. It's really, really good. But I think with that, on to incantation number five. Yeah, yeah, final the, incantation. We kind of have to talk about it because there are two new artists on board after uh, Jesus says did such a great job on the first five issues. John, you mentioned earlier on that uh, you think it's similar, uh, but we have Javier Pina and uh, Brian Reaper in, on here. Quickly, just to say, I think it is quite different because you have... The style that you had with, uh, with Jesus Sayers, he was doing space stuff. He was doing spaceships and he was doing alien races. This time it's a lot more earthbound, but magical. So there, I do think there is a different style coming out from, uh, from Javier Pina. I think there's definitely a different object to the art. Absolutely. As you say, the other one primarily in space, this one earthbound. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think that there's a nice continuity in that. It's nothing. Uh, negative in that. No, I think no. there's a really nice continuity and a melding of, of the, these different artists. Um, you know, that opening few panels of the issue were, um, you have Kana and, uh, Doctor Strange in Earth space having just sent away the Magistane. I think there's a real nice continuation of uh, a very similar type of style to uh jesus says and Mm -hmm. i I really really like that but at the same time i think you definitely see um you know in the second doctor a a nice difference here to the look of doctor strange for one uh not just in terms of what attire that he's wearing but also you know with the beards the kind of the full-on normal beard which actually i prefer i think it is uh, much nicer than the goatee right I just think it's, it, it is really, really nice. And certainly when you start getting into, uh, Barristock's realm, I think that's kind of, it's almost like candy pop, uh, in, in, <laughs> in a sense. Um, and I really like that. Uh, plus you have a slightly more, uh, rough and ready, 
um, you know, the friend of Larry. Um, I think it just the way that is contrasts with the clean lines of, um, of Doctor Strange, I think is really, uh, nicely done here. You mean Larry's companion, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. So there's a real nice look to bats, uh, as well in mm-hmm. this. So I think some really nice artwork here, um, that continues with Jesus says, uh, I love the, the realm and, and the kind of almost Salvador Dali-esque type of, of look to it. it mm-hmm. It's very surreal. It's, as I say, it's, it's kind of like a candy realm in a sense, very right. bright primary colors, really nice. Um, and I do, I like these two doctors and, and how they're drawn. And I think their, their battle where you have the flames of Faltine and the shields of Seraphim. I think that's a lovely, lovely panel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting, isn't it? Cause what they're really being asked to do is take the style of Jesus Seas, as we saw for the last five issues, take that style end his story with a panel or two kind of saying, right, this is how the first arc wraps up. And then also take Emma Rios's art from uh, The Doctor's Out because she created the character of Casey. Um, she did the first drawings of it. She created the character of, uh, of Barstock. She created all of these other characters to be in this book. And they also have to wrap in her style while also doing their own style for the battle between the two doctors here. Uh, so it is quite interesting. They're trying to meld two different styles plus their own to tell the story that Mark Wade wants to tell, which is quite interesting. Um, you know, I, I definitely like it. There's definitely some really nice references in there to the other uh, artists that they're using, I suppose, as as their points of reference. So uh, nice job. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to seeing a bit more next issue. Uh, so maybe we can see a bit more of a defined style of Javier Pena and, and Brian Reedburn and what they are bringing to the Doctor Strange book. We've said it many times before. I'll repeat it again. If you're being told you're working on Doctor Strange, a book about many, many realms, you must get really excited going, well, hopefully I can create my own style and create my own touch to this. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, yeah. Definitely. With that, Derek... Do you defend this issue of Doctor Strange? Yeah, this is a fun one. Yeah, as I say, the revelation to me that I should probably have known years and years ago that Doctor Strange is the Doctor Who of the uh, of the Marvel Marvel universe um, was quite nice to see. It's something that I said to myself: I should have known this years ago. Uh, there have been many, many storylines with Doctor Strange dealing with his companions and with his the people that surrounded him that I've read over the years and just never saw the connection between the two. But uh, really nice, yeah, good little storyline. Uh, nice to be out of space and back on Earth. And yeah, I really want to see more of this mystery as to how Casey became the sorcerers that she is now and why she's attacking Doctor Strange. He's made a stab at guessing why she's angry at him. It's because she didn't get back after being in the realm. But after reading The Doctor is Out, she gave up willingly. And, you know, it didn't sound like she was going to be very annoyed that she didn't come back from that realm. But we'll see how that plays out in the next next issue, hopefully. Uh, John, do you defend this issue of Doctor Strange? Yes, I do defend this issue of Doctor Strange by Mark Wade, Javier Pina and Brian Reba. I would give this four and a half bats opposable thumbs out of five. Wow, that's um, high. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. Um, I think it really worked in terms of, you know, moving from issue five into issue six. I think you have that moment where you have two Doctor Stranges. I think it has to pay off. It's really got to pay off in that following issue mm-hmm. it, to some degree, enough to leave you with intrigue. And I think this is a really nice 
connection back to Mark Wade's previous uh, work on Doctor Strange with The Doctor Is Out. And dare I say it, it feels like it elevates it slightly, mm-hmm. um, The Doctor Is Out, by giving it a more uh, weight, I think, or it, it makes it feel more weighty. Uh, and you really want to know what Casey... Um, is doing back here, taking the form of Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ultimately why she seemingly is annoyed at him, because certainly with going to Damon Hellstrom uh, and what transpires there, you're kind of going, why does she need this black weapon? Mm. Uh, what is she going to do with it? Is it for Doctor Strange? But certainly the encounter in Bleecker Street is, is pretty antagonistic. And I really liked that. I liked how... um that played was certainly what I thought was going to happen, where they would sit down and have um, a fairly civilized conversation mm-hmm. uh, as to what meta reason there was for two Doctor Strange uh, being in the same place. And of course, it wasn't. It, it was an all-out sort of war between the two of them. I liked the team up with Kana and Bats the Ghost Dog as well. Um, just fantastic. Um, I really like Bats the Dog. Uh, he is, I think, my companion for Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. certainly at this moment in time, although Kana comes a very close second. And to have the two of them uh, hook up uh, and go off into Barristock's realm and just to see this mess, this rotting um, candy corpse of Barristock uh, was really, really good. So I absolutely defend this issue of Doctor Strange, The Two Doctors. Excellent. Yeah, I think right now the only criticism I really have for it, and I'm sure it'll be resolved in the next issue, is just I don't know how long Casey has been the Doctor Strange that we've been following. Uh, That's my only criticism, and I'm sure given how many events are going on in the Marvel Universe, it must be so difficult to line this up at some point and go, okay, so in March of this year there was a bit of a change. Stephen lost his memory and went off into space, and Casey took over as... Uh, Doctor Strange and has the time gem somehow and passes it on to the other Avengers. You know, I, all of that stuff that's going on with Infinity Wars, with Damnation. Yeah. Where did she take over and where did those stories stop? And are Stephen Strange, Sorcerer Supreme of the Galaxy, it is our does... Doctor Strange again? I, I need to know that before saying this was a great issue. I need to see that bit again. I certainly think there needs to be some syncing up mm-hmm. of, of the the different parts of the Marvel comic verse that have Doctor Strange going on in them at the moment. Uh, certainly, um, I think that is important because, I mean, part of me is like, why is she looking for the Black Weapon when she may have the Time Stone um, on her in, in person? And why wouldn't she use that? But Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think there needs to be a bit of syncing up with some of the connected issues, certainly the Infinity War uh, one as well. And we say that and we're going to be talking about uh, probably uh, the biggest desyncing of uh, Doctor Strange <laughs> yeah. and most of the universe exactly. in, our, in the next section. But before we get there, we have got a bit of feedback on this issue uh, from Ray of the Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast or the best Moon Knight podcast out there. If you are a Moon Knight fan and you're not listening to Into the Night, the Moon Knight podcast, definitely go check it out. Uh, the guys over there are really, really interesting to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. You should check out Into the Night for all things Moon Knighty. Um, and thank you, Ray, for the feedback. Ray goes, 
What a fun issue. After the initial shock of Wade hurtling Strange into space, the last issue and this current one really have drawn me in. Establishing Kana is great, as she feels right at home now, and issue 6 had the right levels of action, reveals, and bats to make me really start loving this series again. I'm curious as to more of an explanation of Casey, mm-hmm. but I might just need to read the Doctor's Out arc to better appreciate her. I also enjoyed the mid-section with Larry, Jundo, and poor Larry's fate. I'm hoping there may be an arc in the future which tells of Stranger's battles with Yundo, or perhaps even another story of her escape and return to the mortal realm. The dialogue between Kana and Bats in the final scene was highly enjoyable, as they both have a good dig at Steven. (laughs) The last page reveal made me gulp at the level of power Casey wields and the inhibition by which she uses it, Although Barristock isn't human, his dismembered remains were still quite disturbing. Yes, uh, it was pretty disturbing uh-huh. in kind of a popping candy type way. I thought. <laughs> I it, I think it was more just that um, the 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 look of that artwork was so heightened um, and, and real primary color okay. uh, that I didn't really notice that i think when i first looked at it i was going what is that i was trying to like look at it for from different angles but certainly when you start to realize that this is a pretty large monster from another realm that has been completely splattered mm-hmm. by casey uh, and has been left to rot as canna and and bats find out um yeah it's it's pretty disturbing um i would definitely say read the doctor is out to give some context to this mm. i don't think it's necessarily everyone's cup of tea i think it yeah. is quite light um and i you know i i think as i say for me this feels like it's added a bit of weight to that yeah in terms of it connecting it to this storyline and in its own way the book itself you know the first three issues are setting up the character of casey and in its own way the last book the last part of it adds its own weight to the story of casey exactly i think what this book does is by saying that Stephen was so distraught about it that he couldn't concentrate on anything for six months afterwards because he was trying to find casey adds an extra layer of weight that you wouldn't have gotten because the story was never followed up on uh, after the Doctor is out, was there. If that had been a part of the run, like the way Mark Wade is writing now, where the next issue you had a discussion about where's Casey and him going out chasing an Ed, it would have had more weight. But the fact that it's a self-contained story, which ended, and then I don't think there was another Doctor Strange book or run at all for a while after that. There was a lot of uh, a lot of appearances by Stephen Strange in other books like Avengers, that kind of stuff uh, from that time, but nothing particularly connected into that storyline. So they didn't have the opportunity to to have that weight at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, I think, you know, one of the big things about The the Doctor Is Out is also, certainly for me personally, it introduced me to Emma Rios's uh, artwork oh, right. as well. She's had a few connections in with Doctor Strange, like she she did Doctor Strange season one with Greg Pak uh, right. as well. So I think the storyline on its own isn't necessarily anything that special. Maybe I think it gets better as it moves through um, the, the the six issues, and I think here it connecting back to that run and 
the importance that that run now has on this storyline, I think is really good. So I would say for context, absolutely, it's worthwhile checking it out Mm -hmm. uh, for sure. Yeah, I definitely felt this book was better by reading that uh, as well. Thanks so much for that feedback, right? Yeah, thank you so much, Ray, for the feedback. Uh, Really good to hear from you. And of course, in terms of the Doctor Strange Mark Wade run, uh, The Two Doctors, The Doctor Is Out is a limited series by Mark Wade from 2009. It has artwork by Emma Rios, and that collects four issues of the series Strange. And this has been tied into the the current run by Mark Wade uh, as part of the story. So if you want to check that out, at least get some of the context uh, in relation to Casey uh, and her involvement with Stephen Strange, then please check out that run as well. And finally, just one note for me is that the omnipotence of Oshter that Doctor Strange uses to reveal the hidden Casey behind the other Doctor Strange. Oshter set up the Vishanti and is the mother of Agamotto as well. Mm-hmm. So a great grandfather, grandmother to the magical universe of Doctor Strange with the Vishanti and uh, Agamotto. Mm -hmm. And the Shields of Seraphim appeared for the first time 42 years ago this month uh, in October 1976. So nice little tie. And I wonder, did he know that uh, he was going to be doing an anniversary for the Shields of Seraphim in this book. Absolutely, and still going strong. If you want to send in any feedback to us, you can join us over in our Facebook group where we'll put up spoiler posts for the main issues that we're covering the Doctor Strange uh, run. You can pop in there and just leave your feedback like Ray has, or you can email us at feedback at defenderstvpodcast.com. We're going to take a little break. We're going to be talking about another book, another Stephen Strange-ish book, except this time it's... Stephen Rogers, Soldier Supreme, Part 1, which I'm going to get wrong so much, but talk to you tomorrow. So with the second play of our theme tune, we're on to the second book for, for this one, the Infinity Warps book, Stephen Rogers, Soldier Supreme, Part 1. If you don't want to be spoiled on Infinity Wars at all, I'd suggest you catch up and definitely, as always, read this issue so you know what's going on. Um, but there is a bit of a spoiler in there for what happens in Infinity War and who's holding the Infinity Stones as well. So if you don't want to know that, go ahead and grab the Infinity Wars book and uh, and also this book. So this issue was written by Jerry Duggan, who's very well known as a writer who last worked with Doctor Strange on the Secret Empire tie-ins. Mm-hmm. And the artwork on this book is by Adam Kubert. Uh, he's done loads of work over the years, um, both with Marvel and also with DC. Um, both him and his brother, uh, Andy, teach cartoon and graphic artwork at the Kubert School, set up by their father, Joe. So it's a real family event is artwork and comics for the Kubert family. Mm-hmm. I think Andy's probably a little bit better known than than Adam Kubert. I, I've definitely known more of Andy's work over the years, but I've definitely seen lots of books by Adam over the years and, and read a lot of the uh, work that he's done. Definitely. Uh, and th- there's a real nice look uh, to the artwork, I think, uh, in, in this uh, part one issue of Soldier Supreme. Uh, and that is also 
added to by Matthew Wilson as mm-hmm. well. He's worked on The Mighty Thor, Star-Lord, Black Widow, and Daredevil over the last few years as well. So a mm-hmm. uh, really uh, good trilogy of people involved with this Infinity Warps, which in itself is a fantastic title mm-hmm. uh, for this comic book. Jerry Duggan is also involved in The Defenders, the best defense on the Doctor Strange issue there where we have the original Defenders coming back with a single issue a tie-in for each of the Defenders followed by I think one or two issues uh, where they are all uh, collected together as Earth's mightiest Defenders. Um, so that is Namor, that is the Hulk, that is the Silver Surfer and that is Doctor Strange and I think that is out in December around late November early December. Yeah, we said we were going to be covering that one, didn't we? I'm looking forward to that after yeah. reading a little bit of what Jerry Duggan has to offer on here. Oh yeah, yeah, really enjoyed uh, this issue as well. And this came out on the 19th of September. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Derek, the synopsis from page one of this issue. Let us know what does this Infinity Warp entail? Right. So, as we say, definitely spoilers from here on out because it is revealed that Gamora has actually collected the Infinity Stones. It's not Thanos this time, and there's a very good reason for that. Definitely go out and check out the Infinity Wars. Gamora has collected the Infinity Stones, granting her power beyond belief. Determined to keep the stones and prevent anyone from standing in her way, Gamora made one simple move that would change everything. She folded the universe in half. In this universe of Gamora's creation, incredible new heroes and villains exist unaware of their warped origins. Classified 4F by the military, Stephen Rogers was unable to serve his country in World War II until a secret government program tapping into arcane sorcery transformed him into the Soldier Supreme, the magical warrior embodiment of the American spirit. Yeah, so a bit different from the snapping of Thanos' fingers, wiping out half of the universe. This time, she has merged half of the universe with the other half of the universe. It is the origami of the infinity stones <laughs> maybe yes yeah, yeah. uh yeah, really interesting concept and i i think for me as well i love the amalgam comics as well and you you know for uh those of you into doctor strange there was doctor strange fate where you had that merging of uh doctor fate and doctor strange uh from dc marvel respectively mm-hmm. Really interesting. I mean, whether the stories were or weren't that great, I think just having um, that concept was really, really cool uh, at the time. And certainly it got me into Doctor Fate. I think for a certain comic book reader of a certain age, which both of us are, I think it's pretty much one of the most memorable moments over to, over the years, you'd seen many times where the DC universe would cross over with the Marvel universe. You'd see those moments where you have Spider-Man on the front cover of a Batman book. You know, not that not that often. Yeah, basically, yeah. over fifty or sixty years, you'd only get about two or three of these books. But doing something like the Amalgam Comics, which was a one-off event, it also merged Bruce Wayne, who's my favorite DC character, with. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so you had Bruce Wayne, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is yeah. pretty much my perfect book. I would rather read that than anything else in the world. That was so cool. Yeah, really, really cool. But 
this is the concept that Marvel are going for here, this idea of merging their own characters with each other. There's tons of these books out there. There's about five or six different books uh, where these characters have emerged. If you're reading the Infinity Wars, some of the characters are just being referenced in there, some of the other characters that have been merged together. But this one is all about Stephen Strange and Steve Rogers being merged together at the point before the creation of Captain America. So you get the Soldier Supreme. So let's get into our incantation number one, our first point, the creation of the Soldier Supreme. Yeah, pretty much um, an origin story of Captain America here, but with more magic. Mm -hmm. Um, I I love the fact here that Dr. Erskine is, you know, saying, hold on a second as she's being interrupted uh, on her office door by one of the the majors, one of the the soldiers. Um, You know, I've just got to do a last few experiments before uh, I come out to do the big test on uh, Steve Rogers. Um, I've got to do a few more uh, experiments in the name of science. As mm-hmm. you go in and there's goat heads in um, bowls. She's got drawings on the 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 ground, a la Constantine, and she's uh, uh, levitating off off the floor, mm-hmm. uh, doing her spells, conjuring uh, different enchantments. So really, really cool. Um, I think it's the only character in the book, though, that doesn't tell us whether it's an Infinity Warp or not. We, and we know Dr. Erskine, the original version that brought Steve Rogers onto the program and created him as Captain America. We know that was a male character. This character is just called Dr. Erskine. We don't hear her first name. I'm wondering, could this be a female agent, one like they used in the movies, mixed with Dr. Erskine? Is that what the warp is here, that you have the former Sorcerer Supreme mixed with Dr. Erskine, that is the one that brings this Stephen Rogers to become the Soldier Supreme. Is that what's happened here? Is the merging of those two that's become that? Because everybody else you see throughout the book, you're told that they are a merged character, right? Yeah, you're certainly not told that Dr. Erskine has has been merged in any way here. But certainly, you know, the Doctor is female. Uh, Maybe it's the Dr. Ancient Erskine. I think that would be really nice uh, that you would have this uh, melding of the Ancient One with Dr. Erskine, both from the origins of these respective Marvel characters Mm -hmm. in in the same sense that you have here, you know, the merging of um, Steve Rogers and Stephen Strange. And I think in addition to their first names making sense, I think this is a really nice uh, warping of, of these two characters. I mean, you know, just from my perspective, I absolutely really like uh, Captain America. I do like the movies in the MCU. I think they're some of my favorite MCU movies. I wouldn't say I know a huge amount about Steve Rogers, uh, not like Derek does, mm-hmm. but certainly um, he's not necessarily been um, someone who I followed in the comics. Um, so I really kind of liked this origin story to me. It was something that was familiar, but I loved the change up in it done by Jerry Duggan. Adam Kubert and Matthew Wilson. I thought it was really, really nicely done. And it, and it got me excited. I, I just found it really enjoyable. Um, I liked Steve Rogers with sparkly incantation stuff going around mm-hmm. his, his hands. I, I thought this was really, really nice. And I, I mean, the, that one moment where they, they say, you know, they didn't know Dr. Erskine's, uh, methods, but they loved her results as they, fire a rifle at the Soldier Supreme's incantated um, shield, which I thought was really, really cool. Yeah, because um, we have the same 
moment that we always have in the origin story of Captain America, that just as he gets the infusion, I guess, of this power, a Nazi or a Hydra agent comes out and kills Erskine. It creates this uh, moment where he's able to use magic for the first time and creates the shield in this case, where he's able to block the shots from this Nazi agent. Uh, and then we see them testing on the shield to see how powerful it is. But it's not made of adamantium. It's made of spells and incantations. I love that. I think that's yeah. one of the funniest moments in the book as they keep rolling up bigger and bigger weapons. <laughs> yeah, to it's throw so at good. This new so shield. good. Cool. The rifle to the bazooka to the tank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, really enjoyed that. It's a nice bit of humor there. I also like the fact that when the Soldier Supreme, Steve Rogers, comes racing in to, to try and, um, stop the Nazi agent, you know, he fails in that. Dr. Erskine is killed, like in the, yeah. the origin story. But, uh, I like the fact that he doesn't know really how to use this. And he says as much as he's seemingly put the, Nazi slash Hydra agent partly into the concrete floor and you've just mm-hmm. got the bloody legs sticking out or whether he, you know, the other half of his body is in another realm. So really, really nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, but along with the soldier supreme, there is on incantation number two, the howling commandos of Hoggoth. So cool. It is, isn't it? Like yeah. it's just taking some of the surrounding characters of Captain America and of Stephen Strange, putting them all together and having a little moment where you have this just reference to something fun from the past. In this case, we have Dum Dum Fury. Obviously, Nick Fury, my favorite character. Dum Dum was his second in command all the way throughout the Hell in Commandos. So merging the two of those together as one half of the closest partnership to Stephen Strange. Fury is obviously so close to Captain America, but obviously you have the other side then. You have Wong, who is so close to Stephen Strange, being merged with Bucky. You even see Wong with the Winter Soldier's arm at one yeah, point yeah, in the book. Yeah, very cool. Uh, lovely designs of these characters. Uh, I like I like kind of seeing a womanizing Wong because you've never seen that before. Um, when they win their first battle, you see Wong surrounded by two women just kind of going, look, at least the battle's over for tonight, Stephen. There's tomorrow's another day to fight. Uh, it's something that you just wouldn't see from Wong. He's normally quite a strong-willed, inspirational type of character, not a womanizing character who's kind of going, you know, off we are for the night. Let's go out. And yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's a nice merging, and you kind of do get this kind of stronger personality, say, of Bucky coming out here mm-hmm. in, in the same way that, you know, the, the main character coming through from the Soldier Supreme is Steve Rogers to an extent, but with the magic. Although that's not entirely true as well, um, because I think there are moments here where that introspection that you would expect from Doctor Strange really hits in with, with Steve Rogers. So it, it's really good. But I loved seeing this Dum Dum Fury and Bucky Wong. I thought it was like two great characters to to warp as well within this story. Absolutely. Can I just at this point, can I just talk about the creepiest moment of the <laughs> entire book for me? We'll talk about Bucky again in a moment, but we see a moment where there's a bomb goes off, which kills Bucky Wong, which we expect to happen. Uh, that's, that's kind of what's going to happen in this book. Uh, but we see Dum Dum Fury walking in to stop Stephen from mourning the loss of his friend. And then a little bit later on, it cuts back to Dum Dum Fury with a bullet hole in the back of his head (laughs) and a bullet hole in the front, back of his neck, and a bullet hole in the front of his head, effectively showing that Dum Dum has been killed at some point and brought back from the dead by Stephen Strange or by Stephen Rogers. That's creepy. 
I know he had a zombie Jasper Sitwell in some of the comic books where I think it was uh, Helen Commandos where he was leading a group with werewolves and monsters and that kind of thing. But I don't think uh, Dum Dum Duggan was a zombie in that one. Um, so I don't know where this one particularly is coming from, but maybe they're referencing that. But it's creepy as all hell when you see it on the page in here. Well, and he does say, he goes, you know, thanks for the new eye as well. Mm. So uh, really good. And there is a really nice moment in here where Steve Rogers says, you know, I just want to be left alone to do what I need to do mm. in, in that there is some serious stuff that Steve Rogers is having to do in order to maintain this war effort and total victory over the Nazis, I think. And, um, you know, I mean, there is that talk from Bucky Wong that says there were some dark nights. I think it's immediately after that victory where yeah. uh, Bucky Wong is going to celebrate with the two ladies that he's picked up in a bar. And, and he goes, there were some dark nights like in the Ardennes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's reference to the Ardennes uh, battle uh, in Belgium. And I, I, I think, um, you know, th- this is really interesting because this is that moment where I feel you get that introspection and isolation a bit like we were talking about uh, for um, the Doctor Strange issue before of Stephen Strange creeping into what Steve Rogers has to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Because Steve Rogers is... A captain. He is Captain America. He has to be both charismatic and that team player, you know, with his howling commandos, with mm-hmm. his team, with his uh, elite unit, whatever it might be. He's got camaraderie, all this kind of stuff. Doctor Strange sometimes is is working just in a pair or on his own, that's and, and you, in this moment where the Dum Dum Fury is kind of questioning whether Steve Rogers should be doing some of the things, even though he's benefited it from himself. Um, I, I like that moment. I think it's a really good little touch here mm-hmm. from, from Jerry Duggan. And certainly I love this idea that, um, Steve Rogers just raises up each member of the Howling Commando as they have been taken down yeah. during this war effort. Um, I think it's a really great moment. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the villain of this issue, John. Uh, Dormammu Red. Yes. I was confused. Incantation number three. Um, when you told me about being confused, I actually got it mm-hmm. because Whilst I knew that this was Dormammu and Red Skull, I just felt it should have been Dormammu Skull mm-hmm. or Red Dormammu or something like that. I think yeah. it it felt like they weren't putting Red in the right place, however right. silly that may sound. I think obviously we understand that Red Skull is the biggest villain of Captain America. And part of the fun of these books is working out exactly which character is which. Of course, that's that's the fun of it. But I think at the moment I'm reading another book where Omega Red has come to America and he's... Uh, Changed his name slightly. So Omega Red was in the back of my head. So I was going, is this a merging of Dormammu and Omega Red? That wouldn't make a huge amount of sense, but I can kind of see it. But of course, yes, as the book went on, it's, it's easier to tell that this is the speechifying villain of the Captain America books more so than Dormammu. Uh, it's Dormammu's power with the, the head of the, uh, Fifth Reich, I guess, would be uh, would be red. Yeah, skull, it's right? the reds. It's a flaming red skull. Yeah, um, and it's Hitler's high priest of evil. Um, it is Dormammu from the dark dimension, um, and it's it's a really 
great moment to have these two together. And I think the artwork's really great here. I love the sort of reddy purple of Dormammu Red and just the hatred of each other just in, in terms of, you know, that that speech given by Dormammu Red when asked to give up. He says, like, you know, on the contrary, I'm going to flay you all the way across Europe and then to your homeland in the US from the East Coast to the West Coast as we reach the Pacific, then you will see your last sunset and you will be burned. You know, it, it's just really brutal. It sounded like the flayed man kind of idea that we hear in Game of Thrones, this whole concept of... I'll march your skinless, undead corpse across your pitiful land. You know, it really yeah. sounded like that kind of evil is within this version, this high priest of hell or Hitler's priest of hell. Um, really nice, really nice moments just to have that. Um, and we see onto incantation number four. He's taken down by the return of Bucky Wong. Again, you kind of knew it was going to happen. You always have the return of Bucky. It's, it's always going to happen. But the fact that he's brought back by magic. It does kind of remind me a little bit of our favorite ghost dog. Um, so I'm calling the incantation number four Bucky Bats Wong. I think that yeah. is the perfect name for the returned ghost of Bucky Wong. Mm -hmm. It is Bucky Bats Wong. You do have that moment where he skewers Dormammu Red through the back. And yeah, it is. It is basically Bats. I mean, I didn't put that connection there at all. But as soon as you said it, I loved it. And it was like, yes, it is. It's Bucky Bats Wong. Definitely the colour, not the skewering, because Bats wouldn't be the skewering. No. That's probably the Bucky part of them. That would be the skewering part, right? So, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, the minute I saw the colour, the colouring, I was just going, yeah, okay, they've, they brought a the bit of Bats in there, which is nice. Um, but ultimately here, in that moment, um, Dormammu casts a spell to transport them to another dimension. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think it's a really... Um, good moment. It kind of reminded me of Captain America, the first Avenger, where Bucky is lost from the train as mm -hmm. he disappears into the ravine, where, uh, Dormu casts this darkness from presumably the dark dimension around the soldier supreme, Stephen Rogers and Bucky Batswong and, and Bucky kind of saying to, um, Steve Rogers, Maybe you shouldn't have brought me back, uh, in, in this way. Um, you know, where are we as he kind of fades into this darkness yeah. and dissipates, uh, yeah. from Stephen Strange? Um, and, and Dormammu Red has also kind of gone. Uh, I don't know whether he has kind of died or been sort of taken out temporarily after he's cast this spell, but mm. certainly he's transported them to this other dimension. Um, and, you know, you, you kind of get that uh, really meaningful moment from Bucky Batswong where he goes, how long has it been since the battle? You know, how long have I been dead uh, and had to take this ephemeral form, I suppose? Yeah, the reference obviously here is the time that Stephen Rogers spent in ice, effectively bringing him up to the modern era. So what's happened in this case, nice little warping here. What's happened in this case is Dar Dormammu has pushed... Stephen into the dark dimension where he's going to stay trapped outside of time until we return to him in issue two and we see this Stephen Rogers in the modern age. But yeah, that, that moment where it, where Stephen says to him, it's been a long time since the Battle of the Ardennes. Um, there is that, that moment of kind of going, 
Stephen probably needs to pay for that. He can't just go about bringing back his compatriots over and over again as they fight these battles in the war. And what is the payment? What is the price for using that magic? Uh, quite interesting, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think with that, on to incantation number five and the artwork by Adam Kubert and Matthew Wilson. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, I really, um, really enjoyed it because I think the base colors of everything are really kind of like muted, but then you have these really vibrant spells that the Soldier Supreme casts. I think there's um, a really nice bit of artwork uh, on page 16 of the electronic version of this where the top panel has a fantastic image of the soldier supreme casting this spell against dormammu red and it's just so good those purple colors and there's ready purple colors of dormammu red as well uh, are just really really uh, nicely done and again that sequence very early on where Steve Rogers gains his powers after uh, Dr. Erskine has injected him with her magical potion uh, is really cool. And then it moves to that formation of this magic shield, uh, the Captain America shield. And you have the, the, the different panels where they're firing the, the gun, the bazooka and the tank. And um, so I really enjoyed, uh, the the artwork in in this issue love the splash pages that were uh on offer as well so i definitely recommend uh the the comic for for the 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 drawing and the artwork um and and the color scheme as well mm-hmm. just looks really really cool i think this married so nicely together with greg duggan's uh writing as well so mm-hmm. uh this was a really great part of this comic book for me and it absolutely has to be like you know when you're doing something like this warping of characters uh, that you've seen over the years you're basically giving the opportunity to an artist and saying right what would be the coolest thing that you could do if you mixed up characters like dr strange with his dimensions and magic with a guy who basically goes around punching everything in a war ta- in wartime yeah you know, exactly. that's effectively what you're doing so them giving the opportunity i think they did a really good job the designs of some of the characters here are great i love the design of the soldier supreme yeah, himself definitely. it's really cool this this whole uh part of him has the cape he has the uh he has the the magical shield uh on his side you know i think it's really cool that we've got a really good mix of uh, the soldier side and the sorcerer side very cool well done guys well done yeah definitely so derek do you defend Steve Rogers, Soldier Supreme, Infinity Warp Part (laughs) 1. This was fun. Yes, this is a fun issue. This isn't something that, you know, if this was going on for, you know, six or ten issues, I probably wouldn't enjoy it as much. But it's just being just two issues. Um, I think I'm very happy with how we're getting the retelling of the story and the merging of the two origin stories. A couple of things aside, personally, I would have liked to know whether that Dr. Erskine is a, a warp of two characters, because I think it is. And I think there's somebody that we aren't seeing. Maybe it's Emma Frost and Dr. Erskine mixed. You know, maybe there's another sorcerer we should have guessed, but I don't think the design was good enough for me to be able to guess who that was. So give me a little pointer. If I'm picking this up and haven't read every single comic book throughout all the range of Infinity Wars comic books, I'd like to know that that. I haven't missed something in their merging of characters. But overall, you know, this is a three out of five, but it's a fun book and I'm glad it's coming around for two issues. So looking forward to reading the next one. 
and seeing how this Steve Rogers fits into the modern era when he passes through the dark dimension. Now, that'll be really interesting to see in the next issue, which I think is what we're going to get. Uh, John, overall, what do you defend this issue? Uh, I really do. Um, I give this four soldier Supremes out of five. Right. I thought it was great fun. It was lighthearted, but it had some really kind of tender and poignant moments. I love your concept that this is Bucky Batswong as he's reincarnated. <laughs> that to me makes absolute sense. I love the artwork. Um, I love seeing Stephen Rogers origin stories absolutely collapsed and warped with Doctor Strangers. I thought it worked really nicely. Um, and to be honest, yes, this was a fun issue. Uh, I, but I love some of the darker moments, uh, of Steve Rogers, uh, dealing with his magic, bringing his friend back, being questioned by Dum Dum Fury as, as well as Bucky Wong. Uh, and it will be absolutely interesting to see what happens in the dark dimension in the second part of this. So yes, it was lighthearted. Yes, it was fun, but I really want to see the next part to this mm -hmm. uh, story. And I really enjoyed this first part of it. And uh, that's always a great thing. Um, I think uh, that fun comics mean something and this meant something. And so I absolutely defend Steve Rogers soldier Supreme. Excellent. I think next time when we come back with our next Strange Tales on Defenders TV podcast, we'll be covering Doctor Strange at number seven, The Two Doctors Part Two. And we'll also do uh, Soldier Supreme Part Two as well again. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. That's been, it's been fun to, fun to cover that. Uh, a couple of other books uh, out there that I think you should probably check out if you're a Defenders TV podcast fan or a Defenders uh, fan. The new digital only series of Jessica Jones by Kelly Thompson has just finished. It's got uh, six issues in that over the course of three months uh, that were released. The whole thing is coming out in physical copy in October uh, towards the end of the month, but you can get them all digitally right now. You'll be able to get them. To, I think the first arc was five issues called Blind Spot, and then there's one additional issue at the end of that. Had an excellent crossover with a very grumpy morning-headed Doctor Strange uh, within that book as well. That's not the only reason I'm recommending it. I'd recommend it to anybody who wants to see what Jessica Jones, the character, as written by somebody new, is like. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis had created the character and wrote her for many years in her own books, but this time it's been handed over to Kelly Thompson, who did a great job on the book uh, because... Brian Michael Bendis has now left Marvel and has moved over to DC as one of their main creatives over there. So, um, so it's really nice to see somebody else taking on Jessica Jones. I've really enjoyed that arc so far. Uh, another one, um, Luke Cage is on chapter three and four. So the second book of the Everyman story arc is just out at the moment. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, yeah written be, written by Anthony Del Col. Uh, check that one out as well. A really interesting. Um, enemy, I guess, for Luke Cage, something that they'd never really thought about before. It's what happens when Luke is suffering from a medical condition from being punched in the head as often as he has for these many, many decades. So uh, very interesting. So he starts to kind of lose his mind a little bit. So well worth checking out. Yes, and there is also Iron Fist, uh, the Marvel Digital First, written by Clay McLeod Chapman. And that started on the 3rd of October. And that is certainly something that uh, I intend to dip into as well. It is downloaded and ready to go for mm -hmm. my commuting to work. That's definitely much more of a horror book, uh, that Iron Fist book. It's a really interesting book. Definitely check it out. And uh, when you finish reading it, make sure you check out our friends over at the Sons of the Dragon, the Immortal Iron Fist podcast, who will be covering a review of that uh, in the future. 
Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So if you want to send in any feedback on anything to do with the comics that we are covering on Strange Tales, that's Mark Wade's run, or indeed with the Soldier Supreme uh, Infinity Warp, then please send through any of your comments and contact us through our website, through our voicemail, um, or through email. Just head on over to DefendersTVPodcast.com. You can leave a voicemail of up to 90 seconds, or you can send comments through to feedback at DefendersTVPodcast.com. And of course, we are on Facebook as well. Just head on over to Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV Podcast. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back again really soon with our review of Venom uh, once their third member of the Defenders TV Podcast group has seen the movie. Uh, worth checking out, really, I think is the general thought right now. Definitely. Yeah. Good fun. Silly. Yeah, and we'll be back to the Marvel Netflix shows with Daredevil Season 3 kicking off on the 19th of October in just a couple of weeks' time. Looking forward to getting back to uh, to Daredevil. Yes, and the next issue of Doctor Strange Issue number seven, The Two Doctors, part two of two, will be out on November the 7th. Mm -hmm. So we will cover it soon after that date. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next time. As always, fellow Defenders and the Supremes, uh, thank you so much for joining us. It is a pleasure speaking with you. We'll speak with you again soon. Bye.